Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome, everybody. My name is Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. From 88.9, I'm Dory Zori. And I'm Kirsten Larson from Milwaukee Film as well. Yay! She came back! We've got Kirsten back for a second week. Well, because we're doing two weeks of the Milwaukee Film Festival. Fun facts, previews, things you always wanted to know. And we're going to highlight some of our picks for the second week of the film festival. But I'm going to be a little selfish. Can we talk about what we're doing at the festival? Yes, please. We are doing a live Cinebuds podcast at the festival. Yeah, I'm very excited. We did it last year with uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. And we had such a good time. But there was something missing. And I think it was Dory Zori. So... Dory and I will be there at the screening of the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. And that one's showing at the main house in the Oriental it's in Theater? the main house on May 1st? Yes. Yes, thank you. At what time? I think like 8.15? <laughs> yeah. A.M.? It's in the evening. No, A.M.? It's definitely evening, and we're going to watch the film together, and then afterwards we'll be on stage to do our podcast, and, and the whole audience can participate. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I've never seen this movie Oh, and yeah. I'm not going to see it. I want the first time that I'm going to experience it to be with everyone. Oh, and then I will be the person asking all the <laughs> mm, random questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Christopher will be there to answer all your questions with facts. And it's also on 35 millimeter. Oh, yeah, Don't that's forget right. that. Let's talk about why that's special. Well, films now are basically filmed on little computer robots. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. they look good, but they don't look as good as when we filmed on film. Mm-hmm. Celluloid for the nerds and the pushing audience. up yeah, our yeah. glasses. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a bunch of different sizes. There's 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter, 35 millimeter is pretty standard. And so yeah, we got a print of the film, yeah. which is the way it is meant to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Not on like a crappy VHS or anything like that. So it should also look very beautiful in addition to the beautiful hosts. Of the screening. Yell it. All right, so I have a follow-up question to 35mm films, but I'm going to save that for the podcast. Oh, that's right, podcast. Yeah, we're going to talk more to Kirsten from Milwaukee Film. In the podcast, we're going to hear a lot about some great picks for the second week of the festival and some more fun facts about film in general. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Okay, we're back. We're back. All right, this is my question about 35-millimeter films or any kind of film on celluloid. There are special handlers for these films, right? Like, I don't think anyone knows what really goes into delivering these films to a theater that's showing it for a limited amount of time where they disappear to afterwards. Are there gloves involved? Is this a special person that travels all film festivals that hand delivers things? Tell me. 
how this happens. So, first of all, a funny story is that when I first started working for Milwaukee Film, I was the shipping coordinator, which is who like emails everyone and gets all of the films shipped to the Oriental. And I started that job right when like 35 millimeters sort of stopped being as common and we worked with DCPs digital cinema package mm. now you had all the inside baseball <laughs> but when whenever we have 35 millimeter it like comes in these big reels and there's multiple of them per film and they're so heavy like me as a young lassie cannot <laughs> carry them all over the place <laughs> and when it's 70 millimeter that's a completely different story because it's even bigger and so I had heard horror stories of the past of like people having to like lug all of these things around now we're just like passing around flash drives. Yeah, I know. And so I like that. But, <laughs> but if I have someone some... else to carry the 35 millimeter for me, then I'm all for it. But yeah, another amazing thing that Milwaukee Film does both at the Oriental year round and for the festival is that we hire projectionists for all of our screens. And normally at a multiplex, you just have all of these big computer servers that you program and like press buttons and it's very automated. So you don't really need someone with such specialized skills to take care of it. Um, But when we have film on film, we need to have our trained projectionists who come in and make sure that the film looks nice, do a big inspection of it, make sure the projector's all working well. And like our projectors are like vintage machines because they don't make them anymore. And so maintaining that and then actually playing the film so we like to give them shout outs whenever no we're doubt. showing film yeah. on film. But somebody yeah, we love them. Watching somebody who knows so much about what like a very specific thing is so impressive. The projectors and the film reels and it's just so seems seems so delicate and mm-hmm. fiddly, right. I think is the word I'm looking for. And they they just know how to do it. They're really good. Well, you think about any kind of movies or TV shows where they have someone in a like where you see them working in as a projectionist in a theater. It's not ever someone pressing buttons. It's like that old school. Yeah. Like you can almost like smell it and hear the clicking and yeah. feel like the how heavy the metal box is that it all comes in. That's just such a really cool thing that the Oriental Theater and that you guys still do. Do you have any sense of how many modern theaters around the country still have those options to do something besides digital? Mm -hmm. I don't off the top of my head, but I feel like major cities usually have like one or two. Mm -hmm. This is really special what we have going on here. Yeah, projectionists in general are a rare a rare breed these days. So it's nice because I know some of our folks that were working at the Oriental Theater have started learning from the projectionists. So they're teaching them to other folks too. It's really nice. Passing on that old school knowledge for the next generation. It's pretty cool. Here's my next question before we get into the films. Why is the film festival important for Milwaukee? Someone answer as a member of Milwaukee Film and then someone answer as a human that lives in Milwaukee. Oh, do you want to be the member of the human? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess you could be the member as the membership manager. Membership manager. I think one of the primary reasons it's good for the city is because we have a very intentional and I'm 
you're the programmer, but I'm going to speak for you. Uh, we have a in very intentional way we program, which is to bring the largest variety of voices to the theater. Movies are an incredibly accessible art form, possibly with music, probably the two most accessible art forms that people indulge in all the time. So bringing different perspectives and different voices, as many as possible, to your audience is so important just for people to be able to expand their understanding of how people love and get mad and fight and all that stuff. Uh, so I think that's one of the primary things, getting people together to have that experience. And then also all the stuff that we do in the community, we have education programs, filmmaker services, and then also just being the steward of the Oriental theater, which mm -hmm. is this historic now nationally historic. We just recently became a national uh, historic place on the registry. Um, Hats off. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. We're nationally historic. <laughs> Being able to do that with our, like I said, education, the film scene here and this historical space is a, it's an honor, but then it's also you know a lot of work to bring people out and to teach people about, again, all those different perspectives using movies. Mm, I love that. I mean, empathy really is what the world needs yeah. more of. And if films are great at showing other points of view and showing everyone how they're more similar than they are. Yeah, for on, sure. On alike. All right. That was a great answer. Oh, thank you. It was a great answer. Oh. Kind of took what suspicious. I was going to say. Suspicious. I'll, I'll, I got some things as well. Um, so for like a lay person in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. um, I would say the festival and a lot of our year-round programming is really important because we're trying to bring films that wouldn't show in Milwaukee otherwise. And so definitely it's the breadth of storytelling and stuff like that, but it's also creating access from uh, just bringing something different that is not being shown at like multiplexes and things like that. And we do curate the programming so that it is specifically appealing to a Milwaukee audience because definitely a festival in Seattle or a festival in Ohio will be different than a festival here in Milwaukee, uh, even though there are buddies. Um, <laughs> what is the biggest difference? Is it even... Is it tangible where we could speak about it? I mean, a lot of it will be issue-based. Mm -hmm. And so if there is, we have a lot of issue-based documentaries and some of them will speak more to a Milwaukee audience just based on what's going on uh, in the news and stuff like that compared to other cities. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like me and Christopher have seen this with some of our past programming where we program some challenging films. Oh, yeah. And over time, people have like grown to really love those programs because they're like, oh, I go to see something that I don't know anything about and I've never experienced before and I kind of didn't like it. <laughs> but then I went back again next year and now I'm like starting to get used to it and yeah. get into it. Oh, and best. I love that, that kind of stuff. That 100 percent. We used to uh, co-program the competition section, which typically a lot more challenging films. But uh, this also happened in the member uh, the member screenings. We challenge, we occasionally throw in kind of a difficult or strange or you know a film that you're mm -hmm. not used to. I adore that moment when people either can't stand it and mm -hmm. tell you, or, and even better, then they come back and go, "I want to talk more about it. I still like it, but I have questions." Oh, and then and then it goes on and on. It's like, no, I love that. I never would have seen that. I never would have chosen that for myself. And I'm starting to understand why this is great and fun. I just we just want to give people more things they can like. Mm 
And it doesn't mean you're going to like them all, but here are all the options of things that people might like. (laughs) Try Mm -hmm. all of them. And then you could just expand the stuff you like. You get more stuff to like. (laughs) I love that because they're... It's so much more impactful to have a discussion with someone about why they didn't like a film than for someone to just immediately think it's forgettable and not yeah. want to talk about it. That's the worst. The worst thing to me is that if you you know we do ballots for the for mm-hmm. the films and to see all threes, you know that feels like that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. But if you still get a three because it's ones and fives, oh, that's satisfying because yeah. it means people had on either side had a strong reaction. So worst case scenario, I like it. If I see a movie that I cannot stand, Mm -hmm. I like that more than seeing a movie. I was just like, I had no real opinion of that Mm -hmm. just didn't do anything to me. But obviously the, we prefer the fives. We (laughs) We want you to like it, but maybe it's a journey, you know? So what is the thing that causes you as a enjoyer of film to put it a five instead of a four? Is there something that you, like, is it a feeling that you get? Is it an emotion? Is it, because, you know, fours and fives can be pretty close. What bumps something from a four to a five for you each personally? I would say, yeah, in my experience, it will be when it's keeping me on my toes. I don't know what's going to happen next. And it's just a completely refreshing and new experience. That's a five for me. Mm-hmm. And I I would say that definitely happens in festival movies a lot. Mm-hmm. If it's like, I don't know, something I'm watching on Netflix, I'm like, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which which has a time and a place as well. Sure. But if, if something's going to get a five and a, like a heart on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. it's got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, or if I, if I cry mm-hmm. or just crack up or mm-hmm. whatever it does to me, it does to me, you know, to an extreme. I'm like, that was impressive and that, that might push me over. That's so great. I, w- I would love to ask our followers what makes a four to a five, five yeah, yeah. the top. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and I don't know, chime in with a film that you thought was that you saw recently that was a five yeah. and tell us why. Let's talk about week two suggestions, previews, yeah. tidbits of fun. What should we Kirsten, watch? Yeah, Kirsten, what this is this is all you. Awesome. <laughs> so one screening we're really excited about is Madonna Truth or Dare. <gasps> yeah. Who was that a unanimous all right? <laughs> yes, was that a unanimous was dumbstruck okay. for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we st- we are still on the air. Uh, we just all had to take a moment to breathe in real fast. We all passed out. Um, so we generally try to have a concert film in our program mm-hmm. every year so that we can have a dance party in the main house of the Oriental. And like I said, we're we're trying to have interactive screenings here, so you, you don't you should silence your phone. But you can sing and dance, so that's going to be great. But in the past, we usually would show Stop Making Sense. And more movie inside baseball for you all Mm -hmm. is that that film is coming up on an anniversary year and it's getting a restoration by A24. And while they're restoring it, you cannot show it. So we've these past two years we wanted to we yeah. tried they said no that's probably the number one question you guys have been yeah, getting I would, that's what I, say. I would like to say that one more time because <laughs> there's a lot of people we will show that movie again but we were not allowed to for a while but we now 
will soon. Don't worry. Yes. Um, <laughs> but our, our replacement for this year is Madonna Truth or Dare. And I was talking to my coworker, Rachel, and she was like, I'm kind of happy about it because this one's for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and can we please come in costume as much as possible? You can come to all of our movies in yeah, costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Not a lot of people know this. You are allowed to wear a costume anywhere you want, wherever. And so please do as often as you can. Yes, oh but, but definitely this kind of screening that that is encouraged. So it'll it'll be in the evening on April 29th. Mm. And so bring all your buddies. That's the yeah. day I get back from vacation. <gasps> That's perfect. There you go. This movie, I'm excited about this because this movie was a very formative movie for me when I was in, I think, high school. And mm-hmm. it like exposed me to all these things <laughs> I was not exposed to. And I was like, this is... Oh, this is so much fun and this is great. I love Madonna, but I just didn't. There's all the culture behind yeah. the stage and her dancers and all their stories. And uh, I lived in a very conservative town, but I don't feel like I was ever at any point very conservative. But this was like a film that I could go, you guys got to watch this movie. You guys don't get it. Oh. <laughs> it was great. So I'm excited we're showing it. Yeah. yeah. What else on your list? Another really special one is Metropolis. With live musical accompaniment, which is the Anvil Orchestra. And for the past few years, when we've done these silent films with musical accompaniment, it has been the Alloy Orchestra. It's the same people. They just decided to (laughs) rebrand over the pandemic. (laughs) So they're the Anvil Orchestra now. And yeah, Metropolis is always a fun one because it came out the same year that the Oriental was built. And so we yeah. feel like pairing those together is always a beautiful relationship. <laughs> Do you think it was friendship. shown the first year at the Oriental? And uh, if so, will it stir up any spirits that may be in the theater? I usually hope does. So. Usually we can bring does. a Ouija board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are so the accompanied films, the silent films with musical accompaniment are always so popular and mm-hmm. when we couldn't have it for a while people were like oh I can't wait till you guys could do are you guys gonna do that again and we're like as soon as we can mm-hmm. yeah all right so we've got a silent movie with a live orchestra we've got a classic documentary that is kind of sexy sassy yeah. thought-provoking what else is on your list I have another Easter egg double feature <gasps> for yeah. our audience uh this one's a bit more serious but still fun People like to find the themes in our schedule. So this is one. We have a peach double feature. The fruit. People who like... It's not to be... The band. The musician. (laughs) Um, So yes. Peach double feature. The fruit. Uh, So those of you who enjoy Call Me By Your Name, that's peach cinema. This is some more peach cinema for you. We got Alcaraz, a Spanish film. Uh, directed by Carla Simone, who is a very exciting new Spanish filmmaker. And uh, she won the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival last year for this one. So it's all about a big family who run a peach farm in rural Spain, which I'm just like, sign me up. I'm ready. And there is some drama with construction going on, but it's so intricate, so many different layers with all the intergenerational conflict and stuff. But it's really cool, very sprawling, and sunny. I feel like that's key. I want to watch sunny, beautiful movies. So that, that is a good great. selling point. That's mm-hmm. a good. That is a good selling point. And the other one is a Canadian film called Until Branches Bend, which is a very cool drama about a woman who works in a peach factory. So 
after the peaches have been harvested from their Spanish farm. And she discovers what appears to be like an invasive beetle like in one of the peaches and she's like trying to get the people in leadership to take her seriously and like figure out what's going to happen so there's not like a plague in their town. Oh wow. But it has a very cool sort of like 70s thriller vibe to it where it's like about a peach factory but sort of like all the president's men oh. sort of situation like that has cool like jazzy music <laughs> in the background and it looks amazing and I absolutely love that one because it's I don't know it's not very often that you get sort of a thriller conspiracy story where it, the main character is like a 20 something woman which mm-hmm. I really appreciated so those are your peach movies and to the check bad, out yeah. and the bad guy is an invasive bug yeah. yes Exactly. They always are, <laughs> metaphorically or not. You've really sold me, like, I'm vaguely familiar with both of those, but you've literally just sold me on both of them that I don't think I paid too much attention yet. That first one, because you said The Golden Bear, because the Berlin Film Festival is really cool, and when they choose a winner, I'm always interested to see, because they have a very cool sensibility. Wait, is The Golden Bear like the Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the German Film Festival? Essentially, yeah. Okay. It's smaller, but I don't think it's And it's a, a bear. There's it lots of bear. body checking yeah, yeah. and uh, hockey have, pucks. They have my favorite logo, too, the bear. And then the second one, uh, the call, that gritty thriller, I didn't realize it had that element, and that appeals to me, too. Mm-hmm. Just doing my job. I mean, I work here, so you think I would have dug in, but you uh, you should describe all the films to me. I am a professional movie you, recommender. You are. you are. So for real... If you see me, Kirsten Larson, out in the streets, <laughs> and you want a movie recommendation, I got your back. If you did, you were either retired or you took off of work, how many films do you think one could actually see during the film festival? And you probably know somebody who has that claim to Definitely. fame. I've seen the most movies, and that number is... 60... Yeah, I About feel like 60. In how many days? In 15, technically. But mm-hmm. the first day is just one film. Mm-hmm. That's without any virtual elements. I would say in person, you could see, I think, 60. Wow. Right, I think that's about right. Because you think about at least four a day, four times 15 is 60. But wow. That's math. You did. Mm-hmm. I did some math. I will say the first day is only one film, but there are days where you can make it up and see five in a day. Wow. And people do. I would like to do a big shout out to Mr. John D'Amato. He is one of our, I mean, and it's not just him. There are other people who have achieved it, but he, he goes at it like a badger. He is, <laughs> he is in there. He's got his schedule. The really fun thing is I get a lot of people who say, here's how I do my schedule. And they'll show me handwritten ones. They'll show me Excel sheets. One one person even factored in drive times between between the, oh, script, yeah, that's the theaters. Mm-hmm. People really sit down and work it out. And I love it because it means like they're trying to get, they're going to really take advantage. It's so good. Now I'm picturing that wall of their house with the pins and the strings attached oh, yeah, going yeah, all yeah. over the place. What are the, the diagrams called? Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, people get into it. And so it's really exciting. You see the same person in line all day and you're like, you're going at it. Good for you. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that's great. Any last films before I have one more question about the festival in general? 
I do have another one that I got to see in our Cine Sin Fronteras program that I'm excited about. And I think it's another example of a really unique story that you wouldn't see around a lot. It's called Coyote. And it's definitely more of a serious drama, but it is set in Canada. So you have Mexican immigrants who are living in French Canada, speaking French and Spanish, which I was like, whoa, people just can immigrate into the United States and just keep on going up into Canada. (laughs) And now they're speaking French. So the uh, foreign title is La Coyote. Um, So uh, that was just a fun one that like gets into CNAC Fronteras and it's in French. Um, But it is about... A man who lives, I don't know, probably Montreal. I can't <laughs> <Sure>. remember. <laughs> and he's working in a restaurant, and then his estranged daughter shows up and is like, I am trying to get cleaned up with my drug problem. I have a son. Can you watch my son while I go into rehab? And he's like, not sure about it because he's worried she's just going to like ditch her son and then leave. But he decides to take a chance on it and take care of his son. And it is just the sweetest story. Very, very bittersweet, poignant story. But the performances are amazing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it looks amazing. And it's such a unique story that uh, you really grow to care about all of the characters in the film. And, you know, see what immigrant life is like in French Canada. You did it again, Kirsten. That was one that was like, I didn't pay attention. Now I want to see that one. There you go. Are there any um, second week films that are on the top of your list, Christopher? Yes. I'm so glad you asked. So one that I just I just saw a screener of and I was very excited about is called 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture. Ooh. And it's funny because usually when I recommend films for the festival, I always seek out the weirdo, what the weird ones or the funny ones. Yeah, because there's plenty of like like intense, you know, great culturally based films. But I was like, oh, just in case you want like the little palate cleanser moments. But this one is one of those very issue-based films that really got me. And it is about uh, the fact that the word homosexual did not arrive in the Bible until 1946 due to a mistranslation. And I had heard about this previously, and I was fascinated by it. And I'm like, oh, I'd really like to learn more about that. And lo and behold, we program a whole documentary about it. It is fascinating, tragic, but there's a ton of really hopeful stuff. It's also cool for people who like this thing where people just go into a topic and research the hell out of it and find all these fascinating reasons why something like this would happen. And the filmmaker's father, you know, filmmaker grew up very religious and was gay. And her father still hasn't come to terms with it and is a preacher who is on the other side of the fence. And there's a lot of their dynamic in the film, too, which adds a whole extra dimension. Whoa, like I'm getting the feels thinking about this right now. I feel like I've heard that a long time ago as some sort of urban legend. But it's so cool that there is some reality, a reality check behind that. They really map out the evidence for you and show you exactly how this happened, Mm. which is, it's like exactly what I wanted to know is how, where did it come from? These are the languages. Here's how you interpreted it then. It's really, really well done. But it's interesting having it come to light, especially in a movie that's going to be seen by a lot of people, you know, I think could be very helpful. Talk about conversations starting yeah, after a film. Yeah. And I'm always so happy with the documentaries that we show where it's like you learn so much about these completely new things. 
And I'm just always excited when I can say like, oh, I heard about that in a documentary, (laughs) in a film, instead of like, I saw it on TikTok. (laughs) It just takes, like, it puts your smarty pants back Mm -hmm. on. And that feels really good to come out of a film and actually feel smarter for learning something. Yeah. Or just expanding your horizons in a way they wouldn't have if you didn't go see that movie. So my final question for this episode is... Every year, you do amazing things with a local artist for the film festival art. <laughs> and although I'm very close... Sadly, this year, not so much. Not so much. You <laughs> dialed it in, clearly. You phoned it in. Um, but obviously, I'm close to the artist, Dwellifant. Yeah. But how does this year's art, and really just about any year, represent... Does the art ever really capture a, an element of the spirit of the film festival that you didn't even think about and how did this art do that for you guys? Well, I would say that something we always try to aim for with what I was talking about before about curating our programming specifically for a Milwaukee audience is a lot of film festivals can can be very serious. And to be sure, a lot of our programming is on the serious side, but we try to find the fun in cinema and in the films that we bring to people and I feel like that fun is filtered straight into this program (laughs) or the campaign art that we have this year and it is amazing Milwaukee is just hilarious I want to say it all (laughs) day long Um, and so yeah I just want to get all those little guys tattooed all over my body (laughs) (laughs) and then have a dwellifant sign his name (laughs) (laughs) on my forehead yeah 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 I think it's great as His, someone who did festival art in the past. Yeah, I did it a long time ago, and they had a fun theme, which was our fifth year, and it was uh, all the drama you'd expect from a five-year-old or all the comedy you'd expect from a five-year-old. So they have these fun themes, and we love to get local artists, and we've been really lucky to have amazing... There's so many good artists in this city, and we've had a slew of them. I think Kirsten brings up a good point. When people think of a film festival, and this is something I'm always fighting against, they think film festival, highfalutin, arty, farty. Mm -hmm. It is, but it is also (laughs) weird and funny and silly, like the smoking causes coughing and Mm -hmm. the unicorn wars. We really want to press the fact that there is something for everybody. It's not just... You know, a a a documentary about dance. But if you want that, we have it. And so having his art to kind of underline, like, this is fun. No matter what you're going to do, the festival itself is so much fun. How can everyone who missed the first week of the film festival still find all the films up for grabs between now and May 4th? Absolutely. We go through May 4th. You can go to mkefilm.org. Or if you want to go specifically to look at the films, mkefilm.org slash festival guide. Or you can go to mkefilm.org slash tickets if you want to get a festival pass. Everything you need is on our website. Well, this was a pleasure to have you here on the podcast for the last couple weeks. Kirsten, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, we couldn't do any of this without the great production value that Curie Salinas brings to this podcast. We're making our work on this one. (laughs) (laughs) And we love... Our wonderful intro song by Mr. Brett Newski. Although he is wanting to be called Newski lately. So let's just call him Newski from is here he? on. Just oh, Newski. Thank you, Newski. Like Madonna. <clears throat> oh. I've stopped calling him the Newsk, and I think I should bring it back. But if he wants Newski, I'll do Newski. <laughs> also, thanks. We couldn't do this without the members of both Milwaukee Film and Radio Milwaukee. So thank you for that. And our super awesome sponsor, 
Associated Bank. Yay. And Thank extra you so much. special love to our guest. One more time. Kirsten. Yay. Yay. Thank you. I am available anytime. <laughs> For parties and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> All right. We'll see you out at the Milwaukee Film Festival 2023. Yeah. See you there. <laughs>